Welcome back to the Big Smoke, ladies and gentlemen. This is BR Football Ranks, back on home soil, direct from the heart of London and picking our way through the heart of football. So it's that time. JC and Dean Jones in line. I want to try new things. They just want me to host because nobody thinks I write rhymes. See, I'm back in the bits with my guy. Give me a set of cans in this mic. I hit DJ up, went straight to the pub because I hadn't been home in time. It's what we're here for. Drop four podcasts on the US tour, six games, four states. What would I lie for? Met the rank squad. It was to die for. And Sam said, gang, we want to thank you. and Never let them bring you down. We've been away for a while, traveled a million miles, but we're headed back to London town. That was real life. But we're here to talk fantasy. It's time to get set for the upcoming season. And for that, you need to have your fantasy Premier League team set up. Today's pod is going to be FPL heavy. The bargains, the must-haves, everything. My name is Jack Collins, and I'll be a narrator today as we traverse the bumpy landscape of the fantasy Premier League season. And with me is a man who prides himself on his skill in the game. A stalwart of this show after a week off, he's back in the building. Manager of the twice-champion Fulham Rifle. It's Bleacher Report's very own Dean Jones. Hello, mate. Look, goes to New York once, comes back rapping like that. What's this all about? Just feeling it. Just I, I did two, it two intros out there where I was fizzing a little bit of everyone else, so I thought I'd bring it back to home soul. You yeah, know? I can tell, like, mate. A bit I'm of not London. sure if that was good or bad, but I'm sure you'll get feedback one way or the other. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of abuse, but that is absolutely fine. Before we get on to fantasy, it's time for this week's hot take. So, what you got for me? Look, this summer was Liverpool's big chance. They're European champions. They got an amazing team. They were so close to winning the league title. The door was open. Go out there, make a significant signing, cements their standing in the game, gives them the edge over Man City next season. They go one step further. But here we are, about a week from deadline, and they've stood still. It looks to me like Liverpool are about to miss their chance of going on and taking that first Premier League title, I think they're going to regret not signing a significant name in this transfer window and that catching Man City just is going to be even more difficult. I think, you know, you you look at Man City's signings, they brought in Rodri to replace, you know, as a long-term replacement for Fernandinho. You, You see what they've done and I think you're right in some ways, but... You know, Liverpool are built around this kind of team spirit, this cohesion, Klopp's kind of band of brothers mm. that are kind of, you know, bound together. You look at, you know, Oxlade-Chamberlain coming back. You, you, you look at Lallana potentially coming back into the fold. I'm not saying they're new signings. Obviously, they're not. But, you know, that kind of spirit and mentality and kind of siege mentality that Klopp's got them, you know, working with took them to a Champions League final. It took them back from 3-0 down against Barcelona. It, it took them back from, from a variety of things. They kept on right to the death against City. Uh, I, you know, you do think that maybe it's about bringing this team together. And, and, you know, we still probably haven't seen the best yet of Naby Keita. We probably haven't seen, you know, the best yet of Divock Origi, who, you know, forged himself into a bit of a clutch yeah. player for them last year. You know, there is something in the fact that he's just keeping a kind of unit together and, and bounding them together even further by not adding more. And that's important, but you're then relying on key players who have had extended summer breaks from last season. So they're back late into pre-season, so they're not going to start the season banging form, probably. Then you're relying on people like Lallana and Oxlade-Chamberlain coming back from big injuries to make an impact immediately. I'm sure they will as the season goes on, but immediately are they going to? They're having a bad pre-season in terms of They are. This is weird, isn't it? That's That's weird. Um, I know you shouldn't read too much into pre-season results, but it's not helpful. Imagine if they had signed Delict or Koulibaly. Everyone in that squad, every fan of Liverpool would have stood back and gone, wow, like we actually mean business and we need to go and get this done now. This is, we are, we are the real deal. And I just think that someone of that significance, someone of that standing, in defence especially alongside Van Dijk, because everyone still always says, they're one injury away from this team crumbling. What if Van Dijk isn't there anymore? Yeah. I just think having someone like that, and they could have done it. The official line out of Liverpool is that they don't have the money right now because they spent so much cash in a short period of time to try and catch Man City. They splashed out about £220 million on Van Dijk, Alisson, Cater, Fabinho. And in principle, that sounds OK, and I've kind of been accepting of it until now. But they must have money. Like, they're European champions. They just finished second in the Premier League and they sold Coutinho for £130 million. And they've also sold people like Solanke for £20 million. Ings was about £20 million. Must... Danny Ward. Danny Ward was like £12 million. 
So there's got to be money there. Um, and I'm sure if there's not, you can go to the bank and ask for a little loan and yeah, say, we are a pretty good team, we just need one well player. Run. They're also, you know, seem to be a well-run club now. You know, there yeah. were so many years where Liverpool exactly. were in free. And, and you do think that if they're spending money sustainably uh, and thinking about things in that way, and, and you look how Juventus are run, yeah. you know, where they've sold a lot of fringe players, excess players for good amounts yeah. of money so that they can bring in big signings. That seems to be the kind of way that Liverpool are moulded. I just feel that, like, you just can't rest. You never see Pep Guardiola rest on the team that's just achieved things. Always looks to strengthen somewhere. Yeah. And Liverpool, I know they've made a, a couple, you know, they've made small signings you know, like defensively and they've got Harvey Elliott, but they're not going to make any impact right now. And I just feel Man City go and sign Rodri because they're like, OK, that's an area of the field where we could fall weak. Let's go and spend some big money there and make sure that doesn't cost us. So we'll move on. Last year... There was uproar, uproar about La Liga playing a game in the US and it was cancelled. And on the whole, actually, I agreed with the uproar. I thought it was a bit weird that they were going to go out there and play a game. I, I didn't really see why, what the point was. But last week, I went to Real Madrid versus Atletico Madrid at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey in the ICC. And I witnessed not only probably the most entertaining game I've ever seen in the flesh, but also one of the most engaged and buzzing crowds. There were 57,714 people in attendance. It was unbelievably special. And my hot take is that a La Liga game held in America would be a roaring success, well attended and voraciously supported. I mean... I saw your social media from that game and you were uh, texting me from the game and afterwards you guys had an absolute blast. I could tell that. I watched the highlights of the game. It looked brilliant. It was obviously an amazing game. There was loads of Real Madrid fans. So the actual Atletico goals weren't that well celebrated, but the place was fizzing beforehand. Well, Atletico fans were probably always waiting for a comeback and they didn't want to get too carried away. That was was 5-0. It was like one of those where I was like, no, you can celebrate now. But it was just the whole atmosphere was so good. I mean, it was a little bit tense. There was a little bit of kind of Edginess. vitriol there there was there was some fights in the stands we've seen some some social media things where a couple of barcelona fans turned up and, and started waving shirts wow. and, and giving it large carlos valderrama was in the crowd there was all sorts going on there was a marriage proposal as atletico you and sam go me and sam yeah correct <laughs> Congrats. Um, yeah it's a it's a big move for us we decided <laughs> to make it official um and it was just really good. Everything about it. And I know it's preseason and I know that you don't get 10 goals a game, uh, but it was just the way that everyone seemed to turn out for it. The crowds were unbelievable. Everyone was so excited and the stadium was probably a bit too big in, in some regards. But if you had that side of stadium in a 60,000 seater, you would have had the place packed out to the rafters. Yeah. It would just, I just think it would work. And I understand there's difficulties. Like I understand it's a little bit unfair on the fans and I think that that needs to be addressed before the the season so you know you say to the fans before the season look there is going to be a game away from our fans so we'll take that price off your season tickets early on so that there's no kind of false promises or other things it has to be agreed beforehand but I do think that if it happened it would be a success I'm not saying it's right I'm just saying it would be a massive success if it happened I think some fans should be lapping that up as well, to be honest. I think the chance to go and watch a game like that in America, I, I reckon fans would travel a, cer- a certain number anyway. Not many, probably. Spanish. If it was an English game, I think a lot more fans would travel. But on the flip of this, yeah, I think that there is a big, big will for competitive European football to be played in America. I think that relevant sports that are behind it are going to make it happen eventually. It won't surprise me if we get to the stage where... One day a Champions League final is played in America. Well, I, I was thinking about this recently. and I don't think it's the worst idea in the world. You look at the Europa League final held in Baku. It is a hundred times easier, yeah. cheaper and more realistic to stage a European final in New York than it is to Absolutely. stage one in Baku. The US audience should be uh, pretty stoked right now about the fact that soccer is becoming much more part of the culture and part of the game that people are looking to embrace a bit more and for the first time i think it is actually realistic as we walked around new york there were so many football shirts Man. everywhere and it made me very very happy yeah. and, uh, it does give me kind of exciting time about, about the future of the game in america right the last one as ever of our hot takes came from the poll we asked you to pick a transfer for us to discuss we offered you joel linton to newcastle or daniele de rossi to boca juniors no but takers 54 percent of you went for danny shabayos to arsenal dean what happened behind the scenes to this make this work there was talk of tottenham there was talk of all sorts of clubs for shabayos yeah i mean it was 
rumbling from pretty much the end of the season was it, that Ceballos was going to be allowed out of Real Madrid. I mean, they had had a pretty big clear out um, this summer, as you've been highlighting on your own Twitter page with setting up your 11 that have been set for the exit door. How many of those now gone? Six have gone, and I have to add in another We've because uh, Borgemeyer-Rail's gone out on loan again. So there you go. So seven of your 11 already gone this summer. So Bios was one of them. Was always a bit sceptical about whether he would end up at Arsenal purely because there haven't been much confidence in Arsenal actually securing transfers over the last year or so. Absolutely. But loan deals are one thing that they have been looking very closely at, and in that sense, this did make sense. Tottenham did try to jump on it, did try to get him through the door. And I think that certainly he would have considered it because of the, when you weigh the two sides up right now, Tottenham is probably the better place to end up. But the player himself says um, the turning point for him was Unai Emery. He, he likes the fact that um, he's a Spanish coach. He knows much more um, about his own career path, feels that he's going to fit in better at Arsenal, and that that's a place that's going to embrace his own traits. Something that was mooted, I suppose, a lot around social media was that Spurs potentially pulled out of the deal because there wasn't a purchase clause. Sure. This is something that I've been talking about, and I said that if there was a purchase clause, this would have been, for me, the signing of the summer. It hasn't got one. And thus, I think Real Madrid are the big winners here because they are basically developing an heir to Modric and Kroos, allowing him to play top-tier football without even the threat of losing him. And that, if you were an Arsenal fan, that would worry me. And, And I think that on the whole... This is a brilliant bit of business, but Real Madrid are going to be the true winners. Of yeah, I mean, Arsenal fans should be excited because they've signed a really good young he's player. Good. Like He's going to be really exciting to watch. Obviously, will kind of be seen as a replacement for Aaron Ramsey. I'm not sure he totally is. He's not. Uh, in fact, the, the player I would suggest that he most resembles is potentially a Santi Cazorla. Yeah, That's the, he's the player that Arsenal have been crying out for since Cazorla got broken. <laughs> and, and, and I think that that's important. He's... You know, silky on the ball, brilliant at dead balls, but also works hard, puts in the yards. I think he's going to be a brilliant, brilliant addition to that Arsenal midfield. And then Real Madrid, like this time next year, I 100% expect him to be going back to Real Madrid to play. Oh, yes. Because as we've talked before, that Modric and Kroos... It's uh, starting to age. And and, and as we saw in MetLife, it's aging very badly without Casemiro in that midfield. They tried to play in a two in a pivot behind a 10, who is Isco for the game, and it just didn't work. They don't have the mobility to do that anymore. They don't have the legs to play behind a 10. They need a six. If if there's a six behind them, there's more kind of give, and Casemiro will fill that role. But if they try and play like that, they will get caught on the break because they just don't have the legs to do it anymore. Zidane's got it in them. Well, it will be very, very interesting. But I think that Ceballos is a brilliant bit of business for Arsenal. But we'll talk more about Savas later because he's going to feature, I would imagine, in our fantasy chat, which will make up the main rankings of the show. So we'll be back after the break with Miss Jules Breach to talk fantasy. Welcome back to BR Football Ranks. It is time to play FPL and new to the rank squad, making her debut on the podcast, the queen of FPL, BT Sports host, first lady of the Premier League. (laughs) We are delighted to have Miss Jules Breach on the show. Jules, an absolute pleasure. Thanks. Uh, Queen of FPL, really? I mean, you sure? How else would you ever be addressed? I don't know. I think it's important. You just told us us how good you were. No, no, no. (laughs) Explain what your job is, first of all. Yeah, well, to be fair, um, I am the host of the fantasy podcast Premier League show every week at the Premier League. Uh, there you go. <laughs> that doesn't make me doubted me. To be, it doesn't mean that I'm necessarily good, although everyone does say that uh, I've got a bit of an inside knowledge because I get to be there every week and get the tips direct from the experts' mouths. I'm not an expert, but I just play it religiously and very seriously because why not get obsessed with FPL when it's just the best thing ever? It's an integral part yeah, of the world we live exactly. in now, right? I think it's the thing. Like when, Whenever football fans, you know, you get excited for the season to start, as an FPL fan, you just get excited about when the game's going to launch, so when you can start picking your team and start getting your squad together and seeing who everyone else has picked and yeah. seeing the dreadful mistakes you're going to make from day one. Yeah. It's just I'm brilliant. not sure if I'm excited or dreading it because I'm like, you did, I've you got didn't my do life too good back. Last Over year, summer, like, no, I didn't do well. Now I feel like I've got my life back. I haven't been on the app. I haven't been worrying about it on a Friday night. <laughs> and now I'm like, I've got to go through that all again for like nine it's, months. It's, it's time to of, get engaged again. It's with time, yeah. Kind of for what those, we like about it though, isn't yeah. it? For those of you obviously who haven't played before, fantasy.premierleague.com and just get involved. We're going to have a league. The league code for the Rank Squad League. Have you set one up? You set our I've rank set up a Rank Squad League already. Yeah. The league pin is TZL5NT. That's going to be in our tweets, in everything else. We're going to be linking it out. 
Um, but get involved. We're going to have a ranked squad league. There are going to be prizes. I'll win it. Are there? There are going to be prizes. I'll win it. Was it a signed Jules, shirt? Jules, is, Jules has already told us she's going to win it. So she's going to yeah, get well, a signed Jules ranked squad shirt. Yeah. Signed no, ranked squad merchandise yeah. for, for Jules. I'd all like over that. The place. So um, before, well, let's get started. So what have you ranked for us first, Jules? Hidden gems? Oh, it's so, do you know what? I've just, I just want to put it out there first before we start that despite the fact that I work for the official show and despite the fact that I live and breathe FPL, anything I say now has absolutely no weight behind it because, <laughs> because FPL is such a game of luck and it is about kind of waiting to see how the season starts. So everything that we're going to predict right now could probably be completely wrong. But that's kind of the joy of it. It's a reactive game. It is. Right? It's, it's totally a reactive to game. And this is actually the hardest bit. I've changed my squad already about 50 times mm. and... You know, we've still got another week or so until the season begins. So it's going to change another hundred times at least. But yeah, some hidden gems. I mean, a lot of this depends on transfers, who ends up staying, who ends up moving on to new clubs. But someone who we know is going to stay is a new signing. And I had to pick someone from Brighton, of course, being my team. Uh, So my first hidden gem is potentially (laughs) Leandro Trossard. Uh, Now, he's a creative winger. Um, he signed for Brighton about a month or so ago. So he's had a bit of time to kind of gel in with the squad. He's likely to start, especially with Knockout moving on to Fulham, to your club. Do I yeah. Both? You support Both. Fulham as well, Dean? Yeah. That's news to me. Is it? Yeah. Who do you think I supported? I don't know. Yeah. Man United? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, Thank you so you've yeah, we're got Knockout. We're delighted. Yeah. Really. I mean, I'm, I'm gutted to see him go as a Brighton fan. He did, did a lot for he the club. He did do a lot for you, yeah. Big part of the club, but... For some reason, the last two seasons, he hasn't really been starting every week. He hasn't really got into a rhythm. Um, I'm sad to see him go. He's a great guy. But with Trossard coming in from Genk, I think his stats look all right. I think that... Six million, right? Yeah, six million to get him into your team. It's quite a lot. For an unknown, I guess. Yeah, quite a lot for an unknown. But I think he could be the Pascal Gross from two seasons ago. Interesting. And, And I watched... I haven't actually seen him play yet, Trossard, so I'm basing this on nothing, as I said. (laughs) But I do think that he could potentially be a gem. And and with these gems, it's good to get them in from the start, see how they go, and then obviously get rid of their rubbish. Also, you know, Brighton are are built around target men, right? Mm. They're built around players that are good in the box, good in the air. If Trossard has that delivery, and you could imagine Mike, feature on set pieces and all those kind of different things that's quite a key area right in terms of actually getting assists picking up points exactly and I think like I said with knockout gone now is Corredo I think is still he's carrying a bit of an injury through from last season whether or not he starts straight away from from the beginning of the season is to be seen but I just think that a player like Trossard is someone who we've been looking for um it'll be interesting to see how Brighton actually get a you know, kind of get the season started under Graham Potter. New manager is always a bit of a risk. So again, investing in a lot of Brighton players, I wouldn't advise in. But yeah. for me as a Brighton fan, I'm going to have at least one. And it's either going to be him or Matty Ryan. So there okay, we are. Yeah, they do. Right, right, who's in at number two then? In your uh, my second gem comes from one of the promoted teams. And again, it's one of those where I think if you get if you want to invest and kind of get those differentials into your team, it's quite good to go for one of the promoted teams because a lot of the casual fantasy managers that don't take it quite as seriously as I do um, will just look at the kind of obvious choices from the bigger teams. And it's actually very hard to then get a balanced team when you're kind of picking from the big six and then a couple of the other teams that did well last year. So uh, I've gone for McGinn from Aston Villa. Um, He's a bit of an assist king. Yeah, he's brilliant. And he was he was decent last year. Um, Jack Grealish is another player from Villa who this I was, love. I was going to bring this up because I've gone for Grealish. Okay. I've gone for McGinn. I Why did you pick that. Grealish over McGinn? Uh, dead balls. Okay. For one. Uh, Jack, I love I love Jack Grealish. He has the same hair as me, basically, is the actual answer. <laughs> he has better hair than you. No, he's got better to... calves than you, though. Everybody has worse <laughs> calves. Everyone has worse calves than Jack Grealish. He has the best calves in football. So I'm not going to take that as a massive <laughs> insult. Fair, but we'll, we'll move on. But I just... I love I love Grealish. I love the way he plays. I love the kind of... And he's so crucial to this Villa team. He will play all mm. the time. You look at who they've brought in, there is now going to be a bit of rotation with Douglas Luiz in there. Conor Hurham will play a bit. So I don't know if McGinn will start every week, whereas I'm pretty sure that Grealish, when he's... I don't know. I think will. McGinn... He's been linked with Man United this, this summer. And That's just you because see Alex pre-season. Ferguson once was like, oh yeah, we should have a Scotsman <laughs> in the middle. <laughs> like, his pre-season highlights have been pretty smart as well. Um, 
that goal he scored the other day. Yeah, exactly. If you haven't seen 5. it. 5.5 5 million as well. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. I, I think He's cheaper than Grealish. He is cheaper than Grealish, which is the, the main reason for me. Because my initial squad actually had Grealish in. Because also Grealish wins a lot of penalties because he's just a nuisance in the yeah. box. So that counts as an assist in FPL. Yeah. So for me, I, I originally had Grealish, but the more I looked at the stats and the more I thought about it, I thought I need that 0.5 elsewhere. So to save money, I went for McGinn. And, you know, you talk about the impact that Grealish has and how important he is to Villa. When he was injured last season in the championship, they struggled for a bit. And as soon as he came back, they went on that ridiculous winning streak last yeah. year. Mm -hmm. He is so important. But what I liked is the fact that even when Grealish came back, McGinn was still there. McGinn was still getting those assists. He Absolutely. was still scoring goals. So I feel like he could be a really interesting player in the Premier League this season if, as you say, he gets the minutes. But he is one of my... Hidden gems. Okay, so who's top? That's three and two. Who's number one in your this hidden is the, gem? I'm looking for like a one Bissaka type here. You know, he oh, was the hidden gem of last season for he me. He was. Everyone ended up with him in their team. And I reckon that first week, I bet barely anyone had one Bissaka. I had him. Did you? I did. He was on my bench though. Oh, I had wow. him too because he was playing against Fulham. And I was like, <laughs> Four million. I think 4. he started at like, yeah, something like that. It was low, four. wasn't it? Yeah. It may have been four or five. But uh, for me, actually, this last one is a bit of a weird one. It's not like a, a player that, no one's heard of that's going to, you know, break through. This is actually a player who everyone would have heard of, who plays a lot, but who I think this year could play a really pivotal role for Manchester United. And that player is Anthony Martial. Okay, now, like this him. actually really depends on what happens with Lukaku's move. Um, obviously, it looks like Lukaku's gone. Yeah, it he's looked, definitely on his way. Yeah, yeah I was going to ask Dean as the, as the old transfer insider of this podcast. Yeah, he's so not going to any there. knowledge? He won't, will he? No. The, the thing is, for me, is Martial, I think if Lukaku goes, Martial could play up front. And he's currently listed as a midfielder mm -hmm. in the game. Now, that means you get more points for goals as a midfielder than you do as a, as a forward. You get more, uh, well, you just get more points all across around, the board, yeah. across the board. Um, so I think Martial could be really interesting. And I think that this could be his year to shine. We saw in spells last season that he he had a couple of good spells but he just never really got any consistent starts. He never got consistent game time under Mourinho or Solskjaer, really. Yeah. So I feel like Martial could play because otherwise it's you've either got Rashford or Mason Greenwood. And I don't think, despite what, what Ollie's saying, I don't think Greenwood's going to start every week. No, I mean, he's what, 4.5 as well in FPL. I mean, he's worth having in your squad because yeah, he, he's probably going to come on. Yeah, yeah. But I think you're right. And I think that Martial, this is a big season for him. I think it's do or die, really, at Man United. I think that he considered last season whether he should stay at the club any longer. And I think he saw that there could be chances now coming through. And I think that you're right. This is it. And he's going to play up front if he, if he gets chances. And when you're listed as a midfielder and you're playing up front, you've just got to jump on it, especially mm -hmm. early doors when um, Solskjaer's tinkering with things and trying to find the right system. I think it. And he's a is, decent price. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he scored a brilliant goal against Spurs in their last preseason game. He seems to be featuring. He seems to be part of all these plans. It, it makes sense. Although it's I like think waiting a long time for Martial to take off. It's a I mean, big risk. This is a big risk. It is I mean, a big risk. But yeah, I mean, at that money, I guess it is. But you don't have to keep him. Like early, if yeah. he's not doing anything after a month, you can get rid of him, can't you? And you've still exactly. got time to catch up. But you could also get a head start on people because I. I doubt many people are picking Anthony Martial right now in their in their Until FPL. after they listen to this. Until they listen to this. Now, yeah. now everyone's going to have Why him. did we say And then they're going to batter you on Twitter. <laughs> exactly. terrible yeah, I know. I know, that's the risk. Let's move on to some must-haves then. You've got three must-haves for us, Jules, that, that kind of oh. you know, must be an integral part of all squads is what we're yeah. saying. Yeah. Uh, the must-haves for me have to start in defence this year. I think that um, when I started building my team, the, well, I did pick one player first, but I'm going to come on to him last. But every squad I've seen is pretty much built around a heavy defence. A lot of the money is getting put into defence. I think five of the 10 most owned players currently, before the season has started, are defenders. Oh, wow. Five that's, of the 10 most rogue. owned, which is which is really unusual. And I think a, a lot of fantasy managers, a lot of the kind of... Um, big players in the fantasy community are all basing their squads around their defence this year. And that's because last year we saw pretty much basically Liverpool defenders picking up huge amounts of points. Uh, Robertson and Van Dijk both broke the record last year for the most points scored 
by defenders. They both scored over 200 fantasy points across the season, which Trent did as well. Insane. Trent also scored a huge amount of points. So basically, what I'm trying to say is. Liverpool defenders. Stock up. Stock up on Liverpool defenders. That's my first must-have. The only thing is, is that with their forwards also so prolific, and they'll also obviously pick up loads of points, I wouldn't get three. I'm currently on two. I've currently got Robertson and Van Dijk in my team. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard to pick between Robertson, Trent and Van Dijk. But I I didn't want to do Trent and Robertson because they're both seven mil. So I Van Dyke is slightly less at six five. So I did Robertson and Van Dyke instead, and it's just because I I just have a bit of a love affair with Andrew Robertson. I love him. I, I think, think he's brilliant. Oh, he is wonderful. Yeah. But the only thing that you know does kind of cons- and, and I guess it's probably a good thing in terms of FPL, but also it's something that we were talking about earlier about transfers for Liverpool. They don't have any backup on either fullback, and that does mean that they're both probably expected to start. 95% yep. of games because yeah. especially Moreno's gone now Robertson is basically the only left back of the club yeah. which best left back in the world well of course but equally it's one of those things where you know you look at him now and you think what if he gets injured week yeah. two are Liverpool going to struggle well he was injured and he was rumoured to not be fit enough to start this season but actually luckily that's all out the window now so he's, and he's fine but uh, for me, he's an absolute must-have. He's not moving. It, it, when I was picking, it was Trent or Robbo, and I just I had to go for Robbo. Fair enough. I had I think to go for Robbo. The interesting thing with picking Liverpool defenders as well at the start of this season is that their forwards, we don't know how much they're going to feature early on because they've all missed so much of pre-season. So they've Salah, not been very good pre-season Manny, either, have they? No, they haven't been they've good. lost every game. So you're looking, they've got games against Norwich and Southampton, say, for their first two games. I mean, picking Liverpool defenders in those games seems a pretty good way to yeah. guarantee some points. Yeah. I mean, it, it you'd does. like to think. Well, you, you, I'd think you'd so. assume. You would assume so, yeah. Right, who's in at two, Jules? Uh, in at number two is another defender. Um uh, and I'm going to the other side of Merseyside now to Everton and I've got Lucas Dean. He is, last season, he was one of the players that everyone kind of tipped as like, he's he's going to do well, he's going to do well. And he actually started the season pretty Slowly. kind of not, not very well. And then it was around Christmas time, I think. I remember that all of a sudden he started picking up assists. He got a goal and I was like, and he was in my team at that stage and I was buzzing and then he got sent off and everyone hated him and everyone was like, why have we got Lucas Dean in our teams? And he went through this, he gave us all a bit of a roller coaster of emotions for for sort of three to four weeks. But this season, I just think he has got to be a player to invest in. I think that I've got a good feeling about Everton this season. I think they're going to have they're mm-hmm. going to have a good campaign. And I think with someone like Lucas Dean, a defender that gets assists and can score goals is exactly what you need because the amount of points um, that he'll pick up. 13 clean sheets last season, four goals, five assists. He's got a 23% ownership already heading takes into the start of the season. Yep, takes free kicks. I mean, I mean, you just you just have to have him. He's he for me is not moving from my team. He was actually the second player I picked. He was part of my Fab Four last year, on the second half of last year. And he uh, very much was a... Yeah, so, he was one of my first picks this Marco year. Marco Silva loves fullbacks. And and his fullbacks look to get assists and get forward as much as possible. And that should guarantee... I feel like he's one of those players that for people that aren't doing any research into fantasy won't pick him because they'll go for more... They'll go for obvious choices. Obvious yeah. choices and names. And then after... The first week when you suddenly see everyone else's team, they'll be like, hang on, what? Why has yeah. everyone, why is everyone why has got everyone this player and I haven't team? got him yeah, within exactly. two weeks? He's going to be in everyone's team. The only thing is, um, obviously Everton have lost Kurt Zuma back to Chelsea. Uh, he was quite a heavy part of those clean sheets last year. So it'll be interesting to see how Everton get on without Zuma in terms of keeping those clean sheets. But going forward, I think Dinia makes perfect sense. I yeah. completely agree. I think clean sheets is one of the things I'm not actually... I haven't got Dinia in for the clean sheets. Yeah. I've got him in for the attacking potential. Yeah. Um, so fingers crossed. I think that it, for me, he's one that's that's definitely staying in my team. Yeah, six million as well for, for Dinier. I mean that. Yeah, it's decent. You decent can have a couple value. of. That. I mean, how do you normally weigh it's it a lot up? Of money. Yeah, how it's do you weigh it up money. with defenders? How much? Well, that's you... a lot for your three defenders. That's yeah, a just lot. three defenders said... to go two Liverpool and a Dinier. Yeah, last season my only expensive defender at the start of the year was Marcus Alonso and he was seven million to start last yeah. year. He's obviously dropped in price because he had a bit of a poor season, but. For me to spend, I mean, I've already spent seven on Robbo, six, five on Van Dyke, and now six, six on Dean, is yeah, it? The six, yeah, the six, yeah. It's a lot. That's 19.5 on three defenders. It's nearly, it? That's it's a lot of money. nearly 20 million. I presume so, the other two are four million. 
The other two are rubbish, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Is I think squad. that, yeah, I think a lot of people are investing in three to three or four defenders. I've seen some people that have, I mean, for me at the moment, I haven't got a City defender and that worries me. I might get Edison in goal. Yeah. I, I have actually got Edison in goal at the moment, but I'm thinking of changing that. But if I was to go for a City defender, which I probably will because I I think I'm going to go for a budget keeper, I'll probably get Zinchenko in because he looks like a, a guaranteed starter now with Mendy injured. Yeah. And, you know, I think Makes that Zinchenko is actually decent value as well for a defender. So, um, yeah, that that's probably what I'll end up doing. But that's four defenders that cost... Fair whack. Yeah, that is that's, that's a lot of investment. But as you say, that's what people are doing. People yeah. are basing that's... around defence, especially with attacks kind of rotational at the start. We've talked about Liverpool, City similar in yeah. terms of we don't know who's going to start up front for City at the, at the start of the season because so many people have been away on duty. So yeah. it makes sense to base around a, a solid defence to begin with at least. Vincenco 5.5, by the way. So, yeah. yeah, it's not so too he's bad. A, he's a bit cheaper, but yeah. he's still a lot, it's still a lot of money in defence. But in terms of a City defender, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, that's what you're going to pay. You're not going to get much. Shout. I think the, the biggest fear with fantasy when you're picking your team is it's it's that FOMO. It's like it, you don't want to not have that player if everyone else has got them. Totally. Which then runs the risk that everyone's got the same team, which gets a bit boring, but it eventually all obviously comes around. But basically, I'm worried if I don't have those two Ladies. big hitting Liverpool defenders and Dina, I'm going to miss out on potential sure. points. And then when you try and play catchman fantasy, that's when you start going downhill. Absolutely. Yep. Well, talking of players that everybody has, who is your number one must-have pick? It's Salah. Sorry, Dean. I know you didn't have him any of last year, did you? He killed me. Salah <laughs> absolutely why. killed me last him. season. So I was champion of my league um, two years in a row, I think. Two and, stars of the rifles. <laughs> yeah, shout out for Walton Rifles. And uh, last season, I just felt... I, I had Salah like in and out of my team. And then there came a point before Christmas where I decided that Salah had seen his best days. Right. And that everyone had him in their team and he was going to slump and I would have people that would do better than him. And wow. you were wrong. Well, yeah, I was so, so wrong and there it so killed me. There were so many people that did that, though. That was that was a big downfall last year as people were like, OK, I'm going to save a bit of money on Salah and I'm going to go Mane instead. And then Salah had his big spikes. So then they'd swap to Salah and then Mane would have his run. Exactly and, what I did. And you just, you can't do that in fantasy. You've got, you've got to stick try and with stick with your guns. I got Salah in right from the start last year. And the best thing I did was to keep him. He lasted through both of my wild cards, which I didn't think he would do. Um, because I was get obviously I was getting annoyed as well. I was like, come on, like he wasn't delivering yeah. up to his value in terms of his price. He was a lot of money and he wasn't really delivering the goods. But then when you had him, you really noticed it because yeah. he was twelve point five again this season. Yeah. It's a lot of money. It's a lot, a lot but he but is worth it. He's as I said, he was my first choice person in my squad. So he you think he's gonna first... live up to it again this season? Yeah, I think he has to. I think I think I mean, I think Liverpool are going to have another really good season. They're obviously going to go for the title. I think that Salah is going to be involved in goals. And I think if you don't have a player like Salah at 12-5 from the start of the season, it's so hard to then get him in. So if you don't, say you say you don't start with Salah, Dean, yeah. um, and it gets four weeks in and he's scored every single week, you're going to want him in. But that's going to mean you either have to hit your wildcard button True. in August, which you don't want to do, or you're going to have to take two or three players out to be able to afford to bring Salah in. And then that it's messes gonna cost you, you money. up. It's going to so, cost me. Yeah. Here's my thing as well. Obviously, this season, a big game changer is VAR in the Premier League. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you what your big one was. and I imagine this is it, right? VAR. That's, that's for me, like that's, that could change everything in FPL this season. We've seen the impact it had in tournaments over the summer in terms of how many penalties were being awarded. So when it comes to winning pens and scoring pens, it does have to change your thinking this year in it terms does. of who you're picking. And I mean, Salah, to be fair, will do both. He'll score yep. pens and he'll win pens. Exactly. So maybe, I mean, he's not in my team right now. <laughs> I'm looking at your team. Yeah. Have you got a penalty taker in your team, Jules? I do. I've got Milivojevic in at the moment, but yeah. obviously a big factor in him staying because uh, it hurts me having Palace players in my team, full stop. But um, <laughs> he's so good at pens. He just doesn't miss them. No. And with someone like Zaha in your team, you're going to win penalties most weeks. So uh, it depends keep, on Zaha. Yeah. So keeping Milivojevic really depends on whether Zaha finally gets his move or not. Who have you got as a penalty taker, Dean? Well, I've got 
Aubameyang, I've got Harry Kane, I've got Milivojevic. You've, you've gambled on all the penalty takers. Uh, every day. single player is a penalty taker. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone overboard Even on your the defenders. <laughs> all right, we're coming to the end of this section, but I want to talk about a couple more players. Uh, some we've already discussed in this podcast. Danny Ceballos at Arsenal, creative, only 5.5. Yeah. Seems like a reasonable player to have in. Yeah. I've it's... chopped and changed him. He's not actually in my team right now. Um, I think Who do you replace him with? Well, I did have T Elements and him, and now I've got neither of them for some reason. I'm just looking at my team. <laughs> You've forgotten. Yeah, then what's happened? Neither than I. For some reason, I've got Hayden and Kapua, who I don't even want. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that I mean, happens. I don't Hayden. That happens when you do drafts. So your team changes, and you think, "Hang on a minute, what happened to? What happened yeah, to him? where have I, I lost him, him a minute ago?" So I need to fix that. But um, yeah, Sabios, um I, I The reason I chopped Sabios out and went for T Elements, I just think T Elements will probably score more goals throughout the season. I, my big thing this season as well is I need to make less transfers. Sabio takes free kicks, though. So that's Once I went behind last season, I, I've, I never understood how people could do badly in FPL. I never could get it. And then I started to chase last season and I found out why. You make so many transfers yeah. trying to catch up and it's, it hurts you even more because you're throwing away points. Yeah, if you I, lose four points, like that's two starters yeah, playing you've well. You've got to suddenly exactly. get, the, you need both those players to get to score like, at least eight make points. Yeah. The best thing to do is to just plan ahead yeah. and it sounds really basic and obvious but no one does it because it's so exciting and every week you just think I want that player they scored a hat you want to have the highest week, score or, every week you know and yeah. then you start looking at your mates teams and thinking oh god I, have, I haven't got a Bamiang should I get a Bamiang I've got Lacazette what should I oh, swap it uh, what do I do and then before you know it you've made loads of transfers and I a lot of fantasy managers a lot of the kind of really big like the best players, they make their transfers early usually at the start of the week before prices go up. I can't do that. I'm not quite at that level yet. I like to wait until last minute because nothing is worse than making an early transfer and then that player getting injured in the week or something else happened, you know? So, um, yeah, I wait. I always wait till last minute and then I make my transfers sort of an hour before the deadline, which means I do unfortunately miss out on price rises and stuff like that. So my team value is never very good. But to be honest, I'd rather just know that player's playing and spend a bit more on them. So you've met, obviously, a lot of the people that have really excelled in FPL. Yeah, I've met a couple of winners. A couple of I mean, how much time do they dedicate to this? A lot. A lot of time. I thought I spent a lot of time. I think um, I do. Yeah. I bet it's nothing compared to them. No, a lot of them actually, like, eat, sleep, breathe, work it. You know, a lot of the guys who... A lot of the experts who we have on the FPL show... They actually run like the scout cast and they, you know, they all have blogs and spreadsheets. They spread, oh, more than spreadsheets. I mean, they they know everything about fantasy. It's amazing. It is, it is I mean, I love it. And it's brilliant. It's great to You've talk got a great them, job there, by the but way. It, I know, it's such a laugh. It is, it is great. And it's obviously good because every week I get to basically go, so uh, this is what I'm thinking of doing. What do you reckon? And then they either go, nah or they go yeah you should do that and I'm like great that's my transfer this week then so you get a little bit of a yeah, kind insight. of insight into what they're thinking is good and and but, do they play draft fantasy I mean because obviously that's do. completely different that, that seems to have a completely different set of rules because you're thinking much more over the course of a season rather than weeks by week draft fantasy is is a very different game isn't very it? different to be honest so last year at the Premier League we um my team that work on the show we sat together and we picked our draft teams and it was the most fun i absolutely loved doing it night is the best yeah i mean we had such a laugh and it was intense um but then after that i kind of just got a little bit more focused on my other team yeah and because i was so obsessed with winning leagues with my other team i i kept forgetting about my draft team i think that if you can if you can do both if you've got the time to do both then do it because i think draft is so much fun uh but for me i'm i'm just focusing this year on my regular team and hoping that i do as well as i did last year okay and last one wolves because wolves players made up three of my fab four last year yeah obviously raul jimenez and the main man the king himself matt doherty (laughs) matt doherty the best right back in the world (laughs) they were they just raked in points last year better than miles better raked in points (laughs) i'm just wary i don't want to invest in wolves right now because we saw what happened to burnley last year we saw how good Burnley were the year before in defence and how quickly they crumbled when they played in Europe. Wolves' schedule is going to be 
horrible. It's yeah, gonna, they're, the travelling they're going to do, most of their Premier League games are going to be played on a Sunday because yeah. of obviously coming back from Europe late for the weekend. And I just, I feel like, you know, I think Nuno is a brilliant manager and he obviously, they've they've invested well this summer. They've brought new players in. There's going to be rotation and I just don't trust that the team we saw start week in, week out last year is going to be the same team this year. So I'm hesitant at the moment. I think they're a brilliant team and they've got some incredibly talented players. They're good value. I, Jimenez was, for me, the best fantasy player last year Agreed. in terms of, value. you were saying Wan-Bissaka was a hidden gem last year. He was. I think Jimenez was probably better. Yeah, I'm just looking. Jimenez got 181 points. I didn't realise yeah. he'd have got 181 points. Yeah, he was insanely season. good. Yeah. Um, and he was such good value. He's obviously gone up in price this year. So it's seven and a half there. That's not too it's bad. Still good, it's isn't it? I, I, if I'm going to get anyone, I would get Jimenez. But I want to see how he plays. How he plays. I, well. I think you know. I love Matt Doherty, and he was in my team throughout most of last season. As was as was Johnny. He got up to six. Doherty. Um, yeah. He was less than that last year, wasn't he? Doherty? Yeah, he yes. was less. He, he was he five. He started at like five. Yeah, I think. I think he did. But I had Johnny in my team last year as well, and they both got me a lot of points. I, I like Wolves. I just I'm worried too much about rotation, okay. and I want to wait and see kind of how Nuno plays out the first three, four weeks of the season. Before I'm going to probably wait until September, and then depending when I wildcard, I might bring some Wolves players in then. That's pretty much all we've got time for on this segment. But we'll be back right after the break with the roulette wheel and Dean Jones's nonsense track. Stay with Welcome back to BR Football Ranks. It is that time you've all been waiting for. It's Bleacher Roulette. Jules in Sam's seat. Do you want to spin it first? I'm it's a, a great honour. I'm scared order. about it's this. A great honour. Okay, here we go. How, how hard do I do spin this? It. Okay, go. Woo! Wow. All right. What football trophy looks the nicest? Ooh. The German Cup for me. I was thinking of the German the Cup. The German Cup is gigantic really? and has like big emeralds all around the top. I can't yeah, picture beautiful. it. Show German me a Cup picture, is a good one. Really, really nice trophy. Um, oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's gigantic it's as well. It's massive. It's that absolutely is, huge. That's pretty impressive, actually. Yeah, I think that... Um, if you wanted one on your mantelpiece, it would be that. It's the kind of thing that like Henry VIII would have had, like in his house <laughs> yeah, that, once upon a time. That looks regal, doesn't it? Yeah. That looks quite impressive. I, I don't know, I was going to say something really boring. Like, like the Community Shield. <laughs> I was going to say nice. that the Champions League trophy, just because of the size of it, and and I how... do think that's hard to beat. I think yeah. like the size of it's it huge, and like it? what it means. I think the Champions League takes some beating. I'm a big fan of the FA Cup trophy, on the whole. Yeah, like, I like how like well. I like how like compact and like historically historical. Also, it comes in like three parts. I There's, lifted like, the, the FA Cup trophy last year because we had it in the studio. Did and you? I was it above really your head. heavy, isn't it? It's like I. I was quite like, am I you sure I'm allowed to touch it? Normally when they have trophies in like TV studios, they're like, it. don't touch it. And I always go up and just have like a sneaky little like yeah. <laughs> rub the side of it with my yeah. shoulder or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they actually let me hold the FA Cup, which was quite cool. But yeah, like you say, it was in different pieces. So yeah. I only held the top bit. But yeah, it's quite heavy. I went to nice round trophy. one of the FA Cup last year at the Met Police and there was no one there. And they were like, yeah, you can just stand for the trophy. Oh, really? Were they pretty cool like, about it? So they, uh, Did but you then, also wear a police hat? No, oh, I don't know, you've beaten me there. But down. we also went, I went to the FA Cup trophy tour and there was like 15 people stood around it like, you must not touch. And then three days later, I was at the police. They were like, yeah, if you want. <laughs> yeah, see, I did that on a Champions League trophy tour, a couple that I went on. And I was just like, but is this even the real is trophy? Is it the real one? I, yeah. like, you never really know. Even when people say it is, you're like, but is it? Yeah. Do you remember a couple of years ago, BT Sport did that advert where they were all running on the tube with like the trophy? I was like, that's clearly not the trophy. Not the trophy. That's not it. It's definitely <laughs> not the trophy. Not <laughs> I feel like there are hundreds. Yeah, hundreds. there must right, be. Right, let's spin for you, Dean. Change one rule to make the Carabao Cup more exciting oh, next season. Well, as Dean, we all know, I'm not a massive fan of the Carabao Cup. Dean hates it. Is, is I think anyone? it's pointless. I do. I love it. Do you? Um, Tell me why. Uh, it's just I like the fact that it goes straight to penalties. Do you know what a Carabao is? Yeah, so it's a it's it's a sort of oxen, isn't it? It is. Have you ever met one? I've never met one, but actually, I've in, seen one in the, the in the in the Philippines. Yeah, yeah. in the Philippines, a, a Carabao is actually quite common. Oh, really? Yeah. So when the Carabao Cup happened, I was like, I actually know what that is. And no one else knew what a Carabao was. I was, it was quite like impressed with my animal drink. knowledge. Yeah. I've, met, I've met a Carabao. They're quite, they're quite aggressive. Yeah, they're not the friendliest. Anyway, East. no offsides. No offsides? No offsides. What? I'm, that would be carnage. Next season, because VAR is going to ruin the Premier League <laughs> next season... To give everyone a break from this nonsense where people's like toenails are offside and yeah. like they're getting like you get a break from that in the Carabao Cup and you can just do what you want. 
So if you can just goal hang, you can send three people to wait up in the goal, goal area. Just open up the game and get some mad score lines. Like Caravel Cup, yeah. No offside and also like wear your own kit. So <laughs> you can wear, as long as it's the right colour, yeah. like musty day want. at school. No, like so feet the street like, where you like, could wear like... Like cut off top, tank tops, <laughs> or, yeah. like, or like five aside, where you just have to wear the same color. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Colors or white. So like, what color are we wearing? Blue. Okay, just make sure you wear something blue. Yeah, yeah, that would be quite. So funny. I think that there might be my two rule changes for Carabao Cup. Next if we're going to go ridiculous rules, then I'd say uh, rules, eh? I'd oh. say no goalkeepers. No goalkeepers. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah, yeah, cool. I go multi ball in extra time. <laughs> How many we're talking? Every time the ball goes out, it has a new ball. Like the ball just keeps. You know, <laughs> it's like five balls. <laughs> Right. I mean, that, and for multiple golden goal. Okay, you just what? So like golden goal. That'll last five seconds. It's literally going to be goal. over in a second. Yeah, the but it'd be be well fun, in. wouldn't it? And then you wouldn't have to wait for extra time. <laughs> like, be, or or the reintroduction of silver goal. I don't my favourite rule in all of football that doesn't exist anymore. Silver <laughs> goal was such a good rule, and I don't understand why we don't have it. Anymore. Or was it the first? But if you scored and then it got to half time, you won. Yeah, you won. Like, why? I mean, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Right. Spin the wheel. How good are you at kick-ups? Callum J on Instagram. <laughs> All right. I'm okay at kick-ups. I can't really do any sort of skills. I can do it around the world very, very, very occasionally. <laughs> but I, on the whole, I can normally keep the ball up for a fair amount of time. How, how many are we talking? 100. Yeah? What? I'm okay at kick-ups. That's I can normally good. Get it onto your knee. It just stays I thought there. you were like, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. 100 is quite good. That's what I learned when I was a kid. So, like, I was I was decent. I was quite a good footballer when I was young, but I couldn't do kick-ups. I just couldn't. And I joined Fulham when I was, like, 13, 14. And the first thing you would always do in training, they'd, like, put out this box on the pitch, and they'd be like, right, keep the ball up. And I was like, you're joking. Like, it's, like, the only thing I can't do. <laughs> so I quickly learned that, like, if I started on my knees, I could go forever. Yeah. So I would just I would be going around the square, just keeping it on my knees, and I could just do, like however long they needed me to do. And then slowly I figured out I could do like a couple, yeah, a couple of hundred on my feet then. I mean, I can't now. I mean, I, I tried doing it the other day and I got to about 15 and it, it came off. So I mean, Yeah, if you can get it to your knees, it's really So Jules, great. there you go. I'm, can... I'm rubbish. But have you tried on your knees? I haven't actually. But there was, I remember one Christmas, it was a slow Christmas. I... You went out into the garden <laughs> to do some kick <laughs> I'm not even joking. I actually, there was a football and I thought, I'm going to teach myself how to get the ball. And, you know, it's like the world's easiest skill, but I'm really bad with my feet. I can talk football, but I cannot play it. Uh, just to, you know, get the ball and you just let it balance on your foot. Yeah. That, yeah. it took me about two hours. So ranking the Christmases that you've had, where does that, that one rank? pretty boring, actually. It wasn't, it wasn't the best, but not going to lie, when I eventually got that ball to hang on my foot, I was like... <gasps> Buzzing. Best Christmas ever. I, I was so happy. That is the nonsense siren. And in Sam's absence, DJ, the task at hand falls to you. I, I'm really excited about where you're going here. Jules just looks bewildered <laughs> right now. I am baffled right now. I'm going to rank my top three things to search on YouTube that are <laughs> oh. not related to football. Okay, awesome. Um, so <laughs> I, went, I went through my YouTube because I was basically watching something. I was like, this is weird that I do this. This could get weird here. It, trust me, this gets right, weird. Right, okay. At number three, babies and doggies. Good. As you know, I've got a one-year-old son. Beyond Peppa Pig, he doesn't really care about TV, but sometimes I just really need to distract him. Right. And I'm like, what does he want to watch? And the only things he really likes when we're out in public are babies and dogs. So I searched babies and doggies. And he will sit there for as long as you want, just shouting baby and doggy at the TV. And you can get dressed, you can have breakfast, you can do whatever you want, as long as they're right, babies. Cool. So at number three, Babies and Doggies has made it. It's only a recent Brilliant. edition as well, that one. Right. But, yeah. I hope you never get arrested and get your account looked at. <laughs> I was just thinking the same. <laughs> at number two. Go on. California road trips. Yes. So I've just got back from I one. Don't, you have just got back from one. Did you enjoy it? Loved it. Exactly. So my favourite place in the world is California. You're wearing a Los Angeles T-shirt. Wearing an LAFC T-shirt because oh I'm obsessed with it Because he's on right brand. <laughs> and when I'm at home, say you're working from home or stuff, or it's in the evening, you're not really watching TV. The news is boring. Even sports news gets boring. It's so repetitive. 
I one day just remembered, I was sort of going around the house remembering being in Santa Monica and like taking a drive um, along PCH. So, PCH? Uh, Pacific Coast Highway. God, look at him with so the So it's like the road that goes that. all the way along the front, basically. Eek. You probably drove down it <laughs> last did, week. I did, I did actually. Um, anyway, so it turns out loads of people record their drives throughout the world, it turns out, but especially California and walks that they take around town. So I just have on people in their cars just driving around town. And it's on for like, depends where they're driving. Sometimes I've watched it for an hour and a half. What? <laughs> they drive like Santa Monica down to downtown LA. If they get stuck hand. in traffic, it takes a while. I actually like the idea of it, but they could be really dull, boring people. Do they say things? No, they literally don't say anything. They just like have a camera. All right, go on. I mean, I don't know how uh, you're going to top one, that. Um, so sure. number one is foxes. Love a fox. My most searched item on YouTube is foxes. They are cute. I, well, so here's the story. A couple of years ago, I was in my bedroom, looked out the garden, <laughs> and there's a couple of foxes in the garden. So immediately, like, whoa, 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 I don't want foxes in the garden. Didn't think too much more of it till like a month later, there's a family of foxes in the garden, like <gasps> six. And they're treating it like a playground out there. So they're like jumping over each other running through the sprinkler, whatever. Like, they are just having the time of their lives. And we just had a baby, and I'm like, this, is, this isn't cool. Like, I can't... So they smell. They do smell. And I'm like, I can't be overtaken by foxes. <laughs> so I thought, I'm going to have to get them removed. So I called this guy. What should I do? He says, the best thing you can do is um, we'll c- throw some steak in the garden. Four nights in a row, the foxes will come out and take it. On the fifth night, we'll come, hide in the corner of the garden no. and we'll shoot them no remove them and i was like what god that's savage no you won't do no, that like no, no. And he was like i was like alvin just how much does that cost it's like thousand pounds a thousand pounds he's gonna shoot these five foxes trying to eat the steak in the middle of my garden so i'm like at this point i developed an obsession with foxes <laughs> and how nice they are they, are lovely. they don't deserve that no, so they don't. my wife thinks i'm weird and <laughs> I'll be on my I'm phone. She's like, wife. "Are you watching? Are you watching?" <laughs> I'm with Dean on this one. Are you watching a fox video? And I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> and I, you, I looked through my phone this and I was is like, "Is this what? like Chandler on Friends when he's obsessed with shark stuff?" <laughs> I'd searched like foxes under decking, urban foxes, baby foxes, fox cubs, foxes in hedges, oh, foxes in garden, some cute stuff. live fox videos. The only thing I've never found is a fox being born. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Nonsense enough for you? Yeah, absolute, absolute nonsense. Ridiculous. That is all we've got time for this week. And all that's left for me to do is say thank you so much for listening. And a special massive thank you to Jules for all her insights on fantasy football. Where can our listeners follow you on social? And Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, At Jules Breach on Instagram and on Twitter. There you are. You're very simple. One handle. Does it all. Dean's like that. I'm all over the place. Handles everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, you have got like six different names. Still needs followers, by the way. Do try and find Jack because he got very sad the other day when he didn't have as many followers as me and Sam. Dean's plea did work. I did a plea on Instagram to follow Jack. Yeah. It was Did nice. it work? Yeah, we got some, followers. Actually. Got some followers. It was nice. So to Dean Jones as ever, thank you. <laughs> I've been Jack Collins. We hope that you've enjoyed today's episode. Remember to get involved in all things pod using the hashtag BRFootballRanks. Get us on Instagram or Twitter. Loads of content on there from our travels last week. More to come on that. If you haven't already, also make sure you've downloaded the BR app. We've got some previews coming exclusively on the app for all the big clubs in Europe very soon. Please keep sharing the pod. Please keep telling your friends. Please keep giving us ratings and reviews on iTunes. We really do appreciate it. We'll see you next week, Rank Squad. Peace.